Good morning. I'm so glad to have you guys here with us this morning. Would you stand and worship together? So we're going to continue to praise his name because here, he's here in this place this morning. We're going to teach you a new song, church, and hopefully we'll, we'll do it lots of times. But 
It's going to sing, oh, what a sound. And again, I just encourage you. I want to hear your voices be raised because no matter if you're right on the pitch or you're not, the Lord hears your voice and he knows you're singing. And that is where we experience him and that freedom and life in him. So let's sing this out together. church so oh my goodness i just blinked we have a lot of lots of different announcements i was gonna bring my phone out to have it with me because tara texted me the announcements but luckily we have our wonderful tech crew and they always have my back with our different slides we all got each other's back here so we have operation christmas child christmas child coming up i know christmas in october but we're starting to collect those things um that's a great thing to do um, by yourself with your small group um 
just with uh, the people like that you're sitting next to. Find someone like, hey, do you want to do this together? So find uh, find the information about that in the back. The next announcement is midweek. Uh, we have another, I think it's, that's the last one of October, um, coming up. It's not too late. If you're like, oh, I missed all the other ones, I'm going to totally be lost. No, no, no. Come, receive God's word and experience him middle of the week. It's a great, great thing to do. I encourage you to do that. We have Trunk or Treat um, really coming up here. Um, it's not too late to sign up for that either. Uh, we want you to be participating in it if you can, you know, decorate your trunk or just invite uh, the people around you in your neighborhood or family, invite friends, so that'd be a great event to let them know we're here and to do that for fun. We have all the different ways we can give here at Southwoods, in person, online, or by mail. And if you're giving in person, just to make sure that you know where here at the building, um, you can drop it off at the office, like Jackie's desk, but better in service, we have um, baskets in the back, along the back, and you can check out all the other things going on here. Um, I know our other two announcements on the top of my head is we are doing a Torah study, Bible reading project. You might you might see some QR codes again in the back. Great place to check um, that you can scan to do that as a church. It's been a really cool thing to be studying together and hear people's insight and um, receive His Word as a community, like we do this morning, but all throughout the week. And then we also have our website, um, and there should be connection cards under the chairs. If you're new, that's the best way to get plugged in and hear all the things that are going on in case you miss these announcements or you didn't get to the back or whatever. And so you can scan that QR code and it should have um, information about joining the Torah plan and all the stuff I mentioned. So definitely check that out. And uh, we're going to continue worshiping this morning, all right? Ooh, ooh, I can see the clouds rolling. I can feel the winds they try to shake me I will not be moved My feet are on the rock Ooh, I can feel the waters rise I can hear the howling lies that haunt me Fear won't hold me now My feet are on the rock When I feel my hope about to break, I will cling to your unchanging grace. Let the waters come and the earth give way. I'll be dancing in the rain. My feet are on the rock. Ooh, ooh. I can see the morning light. Feel the joy on the horizon Here my faith is bound I stand on solid ground When I feel my hope about to break I will bring to your unchanging grace Let the waters come and the earth give way I'll be dancing in the rain
would you turn and greet one another this morning? reminder guys as you're milling around go ahead and grab communion if you haven't grabbed it this morning we're going to be doing that here in a little bit so feel free there's lots of um, baskets in the back that have that for you so go ahead and grab it while you're up
please. God, thank you that you are so good. God, thank you that we can come to you and know that you've got it all taken care of, that only you can make it right. Father, will you relieve us of anxiety or fear that leads us to control and just hand over whatever we need to give you this morning? God, that we trust you and we love you. And Father, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. God, that all the fruits of the Spirit would be what fills us up and that we don't need that anxiety anymore. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. sing one more song before we head into communion. So when we finish the song, you're welcome to take communion. Um, but we wanted you to sit um, so that we could really, I, I'm, I am so thankful and blessed to be able to pray and sing this over you. Um, we're just going to sing this this song of a blessing over you that is speaking Jesus' name. Over, and I just want it to wash over you during this time of communion um, before, as, as we reflect before we had any communion. And, um, like Kate was saying, just releasing all of our fears and anxiety to Jesus. And I was just thinking as she was saying that, what does that look like? And I think one of the most simple ways we can do that is to simply speak his name because there's so much power in the name of Jesus. And as we speak it in in, in, in our heart of hearts and in, in full belief and full faith of who he is and what he's done for us. He does amazing things. He does amazing things. He makes us right again. That's the last song saying. So loved hearing your voices this morning. If you want to sing this out with us, that's, that's fine. But we want to sing this over you and just speak his holy and powerful name. They couldn't even write his name. Like go and cleanse themselves. It's how holy his name is. So thank goodness. Thank the Lord that he has invited us into relation with him. And we are in relation with such a powerful God. And so I speak his name over you right now. Strong hope. 
ask you to bow your heads with me, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy, your grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, the life you gave, the death you died. We thank you for the power of your resurrection. Thank you for the life that is ours through faith in you, not just now, but in the future. We're eternally grateful. We honor you this morning. We praise you that though we are sinners, you died for us. We thank you. We thank you. Now, as we look at your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would strengthen our bodies, souls, and spirits, that you would prepare us, your bride, for the day when you return, that you would just mold and shape our character, our spirits in such a way. Um, We'll be prepared to be lights in dark places, and to represent you well everywhere we go. Thanks for your grace, for your word, and now for the chance to look at it together. We lift this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. And if you're new today, I'm Greg Montague. I'm the pastor here. Just thankful that uh, you've joined us today. We're concluding a message series we started a few weeks ago. A series we've been talking about the good, the bad, the ugly of fear. So far, we've talked about the good and the bad of fear, the good and bad kind of fear. Today, we're going to talk about the ugly kind of fear. And in God's opinion, there is nothing uglier than evil, than just raw, unvarnished evil. In paradise, the Garden of Eden, the ugliness of evil first showed itself as a talking serpent, a snake. If you've read the book of Genesis, read the first few chapters of the Bible, you know it was a snake who tempted Eve, right? Not many of us like snakes, right? Genesis 4, God describes the ugliness of evil as a vicious, wild animal lying in wait for a victim to pounce on. Like a lion. Or like I heard the other day, like a, like a fox going after one of those little purse dogs. You know, just Lori described from something she saw on Facebook of one of these little purse dogs, you know, running in the house. And lo- out the ring doorbell camera was a fox sitting there looking head, head cocked like, what's wrong? I mean, what happened to what I was just chasing? And this is, this is the picture, the image of evil in our world. Not many of us want a pet fox or a pet lion, right? Not interested in that. In Revelation 12, the ugliness of evil shows up as a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, has a large powerful tail, and according to Revelation 12 verse 9, which explains this way, it says, uh, this, this great dragon, and then it adds, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And 1 John 5.19 explains, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. None of us likes the idea of dragons, right? None of us like the news that the world around us is under the influence and power of the evil one. I mean, we don't have to look around very far to figure out that that's true, but we don't like it. We know in our heart of hearts that evil is vicious and ugly, and what we who are trying to follow Jesus with our lives have to understand is that one of Satan's weapons is to attempt to manipulate you and me with fear of him and his ugliness. That is one of his weapons. Right up front, you need to understand something important, though. Do you know why the evil one is so good at spreading fear in our world? You know why he's so accomplished at it? It's because no one is more terror-filled and fear-driven than the devil himself. No one knows fear like him. You see, he's read the book. He's read the book. He believes it. He knows his end. The scriptures describe the evil one's destiny this way in Revelation 20, verse 10. It says, Then the devil, 
who had deceived them was thrown into, notice what it says, the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and there they will be, the text says, tormented day and night forever and ever. A friend of mine when I was growing up used to say, forever's a long time. That's what he used to tell me. Satan is terrified to a degree that you and I simply cannot comprehend. And here's what you and I have to remember when it comes to the evil one. Misery loves company. Terrifying us makes him and his partners in evil feel less alone in their future fate. So he is doing absolutely everything he can to cripple your life and mine with fear. It's why you need to take seriously the last two messages that we've done, but it's also why you have to take seriously what we're talking about today. The ugliness of fear has a point of origin. It's the evil one himself. So how do we overcome that fear? For the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to give you a couple of key insights. I want to give you a few scriptures that I think can help us all put the ugly fear of evil in its perspective, in its place. I hope that you'll listen really carefully. I want to help all of us respect our enemy. I want us to respect him because he's worthy of respect from you and me. But we need to respect him without being manipulated by fear of him or choosing to ignore his influence and thus suffering the consequences of spiritual carelessness. These are the two primary, most common responses of people. We live in fear of him or we just sort of go to our happy place in our mind and pretend that he doesn't exist. Both responses don't work out well for you, for me. So for the next few minutes, I hope you'll listen really close as I give you a couple of key insights and some scriptures that can help you overcome the ugly fear of evil. And here's the first key insight. The first key insight is really, it's an analogy, a very important analogy. It will serve us all well if we can get this in our head and just remember it. Here's the analogy. Your relationship to evil in the spiritual realm is very similar to your relationship to germs in the physical realm. Did you hear that? Did you get that? Your relationship to evil in the spiritual realm is very similar to your relationship with germs in the spiritual realm. Have you ever noticed that germs are ugly? You ever notice this? This is one of a gazillion pictures that you can get out on the internet. I mean, they're just everywhere. I mean, every college, every university is public, publishes these things. I mean, they're everywhere. Um, just like the, the pictures are everywhere, just like the germs are. Germs are all around you, all around me, all the time, right? They're in the air we breathe. They're in the water we drink. They're in the food you eat. They're in other people. They're in you. Actually, some of them you need in order to stay healthy and do well, right? I mean, this is the way germs are. They're all around us. But hear me. Do you live in constant fear of germs? A couple of you are saying, I do. <laughs> but the truth is, most of us respect them, but we're not living in constant fear of them, are we? We respect what they can do in our lives. That's not good. So as a consequence, most of us have learned that the wise and balanced response to all the germs around us, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's second nature to us. You eat right, you rest, you exercise, you keep yourself and your possessions clean, you do that? We kind of went on steroids on that during the COVID scare, right? That's what we did during that period of time. You do those things, and what happens? Your immune system protects you and keeps you healthy, right? I mean, that's what you do. You don't just spend all your time living in crippling fear of germs. You just live with a healthy respect that they're all around you. Hear this. Your relationship and mine to evil in the spiritual realm is very similar to our relationship with germs in the physical realm. It's very similar. 
to stay healthy, to stand during times of testing. We need to remember to just regularly eat right. We need to eat right. We need to rest our souls in God's presence. We need to exercise our faith in tangible, practical ways on just a regular basis. We, we need to keep ourselves and our possessions spiritually clean through virtuous, clean living. The Bible's clearly taught us how to do that. And if we do those things, it's not rocket science. It's not. Our spiritual immune systems will protect us and keep us healthy. There's no need to live in crippling fear of evil all the time. It just isn't. Now, to build on our analogy a little, I want you to think with me. Guess what happens if you or I don't believe in germs? We run around, I don't believe the germs are real. I don't think they're going to affect me. They're not real. How's that going to work out for you if you don't take it very seriously? Will your unbelief have any consequences? That's a duh question, isn't it? Of course it's going to. Years ago, surgeons didn't wear masks, scrub before surgeries. They didn't use antibiotics on their patients during surgeries. Guess what happened to lots of their patients during that era of time? Many got more sick. Many died because they didn't understand much about germs and viruses back in those days. 100 years ago, public swimming pools didn't treat their pool water with chlorine. They didn't treat it with salt. They didn't treat it with anything. People who swam in those pools were unknowingly exposing themselves to numerous sicknesses and disease, things like typhoid and polio and mumps and measles and more. And, Their unbelief had consequences in the physical realm. In the same way, unbelief in the spiritual realm has consequences. Has consequences. So hear me, the Bible never tells you or me to be afraid of evil. Never tells us that. What it does say, though, repeatedly, is it warns us to be aware of its existence, to take it seriously, and we're instructed repeatedly to believe and obey God's truth and live clean, righteous, Christ-like lives. To not just put our faith in the general reality that there's a Jesus, but we're to put our faith in action by living like Him with the help of His Spirit to the extent we can do that day in, day out, every day, until the day we go to be with Jesus ourselves. That's what we're taught in Scripture over and over again. And we've got to remember that just as there are consequences for ignoring the reality of germs, there are spiritual consequences for ignoring the reality of evil. That's news for our present generation, is we don't want to think about evil. But there's no shortage of people in our day who are dealing with the consequences, the day-in, day-out consequences of ignoring evil's existence. If you and I ignore the practical reality of evil, we're, we're more likely to be careless about prayer, obedience, temptation, sin. We're more likely to just go along with whatever the culture says and And it may feel good for a little while because you're swimming downstream. But it will bite you because evil is vicious. It's lying in wait looking for someone to devour at an inopportune time for the one it's going to devour. If we ignore the practical reality of evil, we're more likely to end up trapped by habitual sins. We're more likely to find ourselves battling feelings of hopelessness from which we know of no escape. If we ignore the reality of evil, we're more likely, when bad things happen in our lives, to question God's love for us instead of understanding the source of all that's corrupt and deteriorating, breaking down in our world. We, 
We just start blaming God, who, let me remind you, made it all paradise and perfect in the beginning. And it wasn't his fault that we ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there. Well, yeah. There's a lot of things that we put into the lives of our children that if used for good, lead to good, but if used in a manner that we don't ask for or don't recommend, it's going to hurt them. Put too much Tylenol in your body. You set it on the counter. How's that going to work for you? Not very well. There was a good reason for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm sure we will hear as time passes. We stand into his presence, stand in his presence. We have to remember that God is good and evil is the one lying in wait. And the key to not living in constant fear of that is to take its presence seriously. To take God's presence and power and instruction seriously. And to take evil's presence, power, abilities seriously as well. I want to mention specifically one more consequence, though, of not taking the reality of evil in our world seriously. If you and I ignore the practical reality of evil in the spiritual realm, you and I are never going to fully realize the extent to which major evil is always behind our minor sins. I want to let that settle for just a minute. Major evil is always behind our minor sins. Let me explain it this way. We generally think of major evil, when we think of it, we think of it as acts of terrorism, we think of murder, we think of rape, incense, incest, violent hate crimes. We, we think of these kinds of things, and we assume that people who commit these heinous acts are horribly evil. That's how we think. And in those situations, it's not beyond our ability to conceive that demons or Satan himself might be involved in some of those kinds of acts, right? I mean, this is how we think. We think to ourselves, 9-11, right? Major league evil was involved, right? It's how we think. I want you to look at these next few verses of Scripture. Listen carefully to what they tell us about major evil, minor sins. James 3, 15 and 16 says this, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by whom? The text says by the devil, right? For wherever there is jealousy and selfishness and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Ephesians 4:26 says something along these lines says don't sin by letting anger take control over you don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a mighty foothold to whom the devil anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil the bible says now when was the last time that you consciously thought about or realized that the devil had a vested interest in your feelings and actions of jealousy selfishness and anger I mean, these three things seem like minor league spiritual infractions to our modern day way of thinking, don't they? But you and I have got to understand that major, ugly evil is always right behind our minor sins. The horrible fragrance of sin gets his attention. He stalks it. 
Look at another passage of Scripture, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says this, and we looked at this the other night in, uh, in Step with the Spirit. We kind of went through this passage in, in more detail. You can go listen to uh, the first week of it if you uh, missed that and would like more detail in this passage. But it says, Galatians 5, I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. And I always, that verse always makes me pause and think, um, would you like to be free from that conflict? Sure, we'd all love to be free from it. But until Jesus returns... The text is just making it clear. If you've got the Spirit of God at work in your life, and we have evil at work in our world, guess what? You are going to be in constant conflict. Your choices are never free from this conflict because God is always wooing you toward righteousness. Evil is constantly trying to persuade you, to convince you, to sell you, to spin evil in some way that you will be a sucker for. This is what he's doing. The passage goes on and explains. Verse 19 continues, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is right except those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. He just kind of quits, gets tired of listing them all. So he just says other kinds kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to explain, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here there is no conflict with the law. Here's the overarching point of this. Just as God's Holy Spirit is always behind our actions of goodness and righteousness, you and I need to remember that major, ugly evil is always behind our minor sins. And indulged in one's life, minor sins remain minor only for a time. Because they metastasize, they grow, they expand. Take over more of your mind, your body, your soul over time. Like yeast takes over bread. This is what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about the yeast of the Pharisees in the New Testament. So if you and I are going to sincerely respect our enemy, if we're going to respect him, and not live in just constant abject fear of him and be manipulated by it. If we're not going to live with you know, thoughtless carelessness and be lulled into a spiritual slumber by him and picked off and poached because we were naive and foolish. If we're going to respect him and not be tricked by him in some way, then we need to devote ourselves fully unequivocally, unreservedly to believing and obeying God's truth. And we need to live clean, righteous, Christ-like lives to the best of our ability with the help of the Holy Spirit in us. That is the way to honor God with your life. And it's the way to keep some distance between you and the ugliness of evil. Because what happens is if you live that kind of life and the evil one sees you living that kind of life, how did it go for him when he watched Jesus live the holy, righteous life that he did? The evil one was defeated by it. 
Which brings us to really the second key insight. And it's good news. The second key insight is that thankfully, you're not the first to come up against the evil one, and neither am I. Jesus has already defeated evil. And if you've put your faith in him, if you've invited him to cleanse you, if you've invited Jesus to forgive you and fill you with his Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us real clearly in Colossians 1, verse 13. I walk you through a lot of passages, but Colossians 1, 13 says, Our Heavenly Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son. We're citizens of a better kingdom with a better king. Colossians 2.14 adds this thought. He, speaking of the Father, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross, which is to say, I mean, he's already made a public spectacle of evil. It knows its fate. Colossians 3 gives us these important instructions as a result of these two verses and others that we can look at a long list of them this morning. Colossians 3 gives us these important instructions. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. He's just saying, don't spend all your time thinking about evil, thinking about all that's broken in the world, thinking about all that could go wrong in your life. Don't spend all your time thinking about, you think of the fears we talked about in the past, the fear of what others will think. And we talked about that last week. Don't spend all your time allowing fear and these other things to dominate your thinking. Instead, set your your sights, the text says, on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. God is just trying to convey to us that since Jesus has defeated evil... If you and I have made him the Lord, the Savior of our lives, we have a new reality, a better reality to look forward to. We have the the reality of heaven. And in heaven, there's going to be no evil or fear, no crying or pain, no sorrow or death. So he's saying to us, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Focus your thoughts on that. And thank your Heavenly Father that because of Jesus, you have an inheritance far better than anything to be inherited in this life. Evil is vicious. It's ugly. But the love and mercy of our God for us is priceless It's beautiful. It's life-giving. It's an eternal kind of thing. It's undeserved by us. But it's available to all of us for free if we'll humbly receive Jesus who's already defeated evil. So I have to ask you, have you invited Jesus to cleanse you? Have you invited him to forgive you? Have you invited him to fill you with his Holy Spirit? Have you asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life so you can have a glorious, heavenly, future reality to look forward to? Don't underestimate this fact. It is one of the keys to overcoming the ugly fear of evil. And it's the key, according to Scripture, to life beyond the grave. So you invite Jesus in. Invite the one who's overcome evil to strengthen your body, soul, and spirit 
and fill you with faith and confidence that there is no need for fear because he's here. He's here inside of you. That's what we all need. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. So we wrap this service up. You need, just want to say, if you need prayer for something, I want to invite you to come on down afterwards. You need to be baptized as Scripture teaches. We want to help you follow the teaching of Scripture of that. We want to help you with that. We've got our baptistry over here in the near future. We can arrange to, to baptize you. My hope, my prayer for you is that you have invited Jesus in. And if you haven't, that even now as we pray, you'll do that. And that you'll begin to put your faith increasingly in the one who's already defeated evil. Let's bow our heads. Hope you'll join us this Wednesday night as we finish in step with the Spirit. And trust that you'll walk with God this week. Let's pray, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you. that when evil prevailed over Adam and Eve in the garden, you didn't just throw up your hands and walk away. Thank you that in your mercy, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. And through his righteousness, we can be made clean and we too can be made victorious over evil. We thank you for that, Lord. We don't deserve that kind of mercy. We, uh, we just honor you that you care about us that deeply. That you would suffer what you did that we might have an inheritance that we don't deserve. Lord, would you help us to more fully give our lives to you? You recognize, Lord, that the most fully devoted of us fall far short of what your wish would be for us, what would be best for us. So would you fill us with your spirit? Would you empower us to do the right thing? Would you break chains of darkness that may be in our lives from the past, would you set us free from mental strongholds, Lord, because of the shed blood of Jesus as we absorb your word into our lives and as we seek you? Would you help us to live in faith and confidence that as the scriptures say, you have overcome the world. And Lord, would you help us by the power of your spirit at work in us to overcome the world as well. Now, would you go with us, Lord? Would you strengthen us? Would you guide our steps? Would you give us courage, faith? Would you allow us to be blessing, bring blessing into the lives of people we come in contact with? We'll rejoice to be your children now and for all time. Lift this prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Glad you.